Humanity is rebellious against God. And if you're in here today and you love the Lord and you're born again, you're like, yeah, I, I put my faith in you're still a wretched rebel. Our hearts are prone to rebellion. No matter how well you got the gospel dialed in, how much you understand it, you're still like, yeah, man, just give me a moment. And it's like, boom, I'm off the rails. And we're all wired that way. It's happened to everyone. You're just sitting there and all of a sudden you're blindsided by a crazy wrong thought. Well, as Pastor Daniel explains today, you're prone to rebel against God no matter how good you are. It's in your very nature to want to do your own thing and go your own way regardless of how much you love the Lord or know the right thing to do. Gratefully, God will patiently welcome you back no matter how many times you mess up. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Leviticus chapter 9 as he begins his message, So It Begins. All right, let's open up in your Bibles to the book of Leviticus chapter 9. Leviticus chapter 9. As you all well know, the book of Leviticus, third book in your Bible... So if you open up to the beginning, just get through the 50 chapters in Genesis, 40 chapters in Exodus, and then there we are, the book of Leviticus. I've entitled this message in Leviticus 9, So It Begins, and I like that because it's uh, both dramatic, and when I say so it begins, you almost want like some, some very cool entrance music. It sounds like the beginning of a movie or like the first little tagline, so it begins. But really, we've been working our way up to this point for about 15, 20 chapters. Once God brought the children of Israel out of Egypt into the wilderness, and once they met the Lord on Sinai in that miraculous way, God started giving them all these instructions, first for the tabernacle, then for the clothing of the priests, and then the first number of chapters in the book of Leviticus, all these different sacrifices. This is how I want you to do it. The first go-round of those was this is for the worshiper, for the person who's offering the sacrifice, and then he comes back for the priest. This is how I want you guys to do it. And then as we saw last week in chapter 8, then it was all about the cleansing of the priests. And you remember where we left off last week, right? After all of this very elaborate cleansing ritual was done, the priest had to wait in the tabernacle for seven days. And that was the completion of their cleansing. And if you were here, I made the point that why seven days? Well, simple, because it's like a brand new creation. God is calling the priests as a recreation of God's people. And once we start in chapter nine, the priestly ministry begins. And you have to realize that this priestly ministry that's beginning now in Leviticus chapter nine would continue almost completely uninterrupted until about 40 years after the death and resurrection of Jesus with the destruction of the temple. There was some interruptions because we know that the temple was destroyed by the Babylonians and then they rebuilt the temple. So there was some breaks in the action. 
But by and large, for thousands, 15, 1600 years, these sacrifices were going on almost completely uninterrupted for the whole span until the temple, the second temple was destroyed in 70 AD by the legions of Titus Vespasian. You can read about it in the writings of Josephus if you want to go do some homework and read some, some history. But Josephus talks about all that went on that stopped these animal sacrifices. Now, people always say, well, so should they be doing animal sacrifices today? And what's the answer? No, and it's not because we believe in the ethical treatment of animals either, even though we do. We believe it honors God to be nice to animals. But we don't need animal sacrifices because Jesus is the sacrifice that ends all sacrifices. All of these sacrifices had to be Done over and over again, day in, week in, year in, and year out. Why? Because it was never an abiding sacrifice. It was never a sacrifice that completely forgave a sinner of their sins. But it was all pointing to the true and better sacrifice. The Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And when Jesus died on that cross and rose again, that was the end of it. Because now, once for all, if you put your faith and trust in Jesus, you are completely washed of your sins. Completely washed, completely perfected in the eyes of God. Now, some people say, well, okay, great. So what does that do for me today? I'm here to tell you, believing in Jesus is not only about having life after death. It's about having life during life. Because most people today who have not put their faith and trust in Jesus, they're alive, but they're really dead inside. They're carrying around guilt and shame. Forgiveness is so essential to living a life that is flourishing. How many of us, our own fears and regrets, hold us back from the fullness of who God is? But in Christ, and because of the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives, God is edging us on, pushing us forward, saying, listen, do not be bound by the mistakes of yesterday because I do not hold those mistakes against you any longer. Be freed. Learn from the past, but be freed from the bondage of your past. And so Jesus is the ultimate sacrifice, the sacrifice that ends all sacrifices. But here in Leviticus 9, we see the process beginning. And so you have to remember that the, the idea that the sacrifice of Jesus could forgive us our sins, all of that has its foundation in the Old Testament. That's why it's been said, and I've said it before, that the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed, and the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. The idea is that as you're going through the Old Testament, you see the gospel, you see God's plan of salvation for all of humanity. It's all in there, but it's concealed because it's in type and shadow. It's in pictures. But then when Jesus comes, you're like, oh, now... Now I get how that worked. Oh, I get why that's there. Oh, oh, so Jesus, I believe in him. And because of his shed blood, I'm forgiven. We're going to get to that in a little bit in Leviticus 19. Because we're going to see it all fits together perfectly. Without the, the Old Testament, Jesus has no foundation by which to explain who he is. So he's an outgrowth of all of this. So let's look at it now. Leviticus chapter 9, verse 1. So it begins... It came to pass on the eighth day 
that Moses called Aaron and his sons and the elders of Israel. And he said to Aaron, take for yourself a young bull as a sin offering and a ram as a burnt offering without blemish and offer them before the Lord. Verse three, and to the children of Israel, you shall speak saying, take a kid of the goats as a sin offering and a calf and a lamb, both of the first year without blemish as a burnt offering. Also a bull and a ram as peace offerings to sacrifice before the Lord and a grain offering mixed with oil for today the Lord will appear to you. So now notice this. This eighth day, it's unique than the previous seven. The last seven, they were waiting. They were just waiting within the tabernacle proper, waiting. And now it's the eighth day. Now it's the new day. And now it's time for them to get to work. And I think there's an interesting principle here that I think we want to to learn from. And that's that notice that God had the priests waiting in private before they could do ministry in public. And oftentimes God works this way. There is a time when God has people away to be prepared so that they can step out and serve. We know the Apostle Paul spent years in the Arabian desert before he was thrust into his pastoral ministry. Jesus himself spent 40 days and 40 nights when he was driven by the Spirit into the wilderness. Oftentimes there's a time of hiddenness before there is a time of manifestation. And I I think it's important because I think for some of us, especially those of us who are prone to being zealous, which I find myself in that category, that often, you guys are like, no, not really, right? It's like oftentimes we just want to run ahead when God wants to prepare us to be used long term. And so for some of you, even right now, you're like, I just don't understand what God's doing. I feel like I want to serve and I'm ready to serve, but God's not opening any doors for me. And I'm here to tell you, be faithful with right where you are. Because oftentimes God likes to prepare a person so that he can use a person. And you can imagine, imagine being the priest, Aaron and his sons, hanging out in the tabernacle just waiting. They have all these instructions. You can imagine them praying, Lord, how am I, I going to do a good job at this? And Lord, you know, what does this look like? And what happens if I don't do it right? And all the things that go on as you're being prepared to actually step on out. And so it's very fascinating that for seven days they were waiting. They were hidden. They weren't involved in everything. And now they're being called forth. They're being called forth to serve the people. The consecration time has elapsed. Now it's time to get your hands dirty. Now, on the other side, for some of us, we've been in the kind of the set-apart side so long that you get used to kind of just being alone with the Lord, right? And I think for some of us, when you're alone with the Lord for a long time, you need to get back out into ministry. You know, and I'll be honest, I realize that serving people is hard. Why? Because we're knuckleheads and people are knuckleheads. It's a beautiful mix, really. And so for a lot of people, we've stepped on out into ministry and we get burned because people are people, and so are we. Sometimes we should just forgive them, but we struggle because we're in process and people are in process. And so if you're the kind of person who right now you've been kind of off-licking your wounds for a while, maybe this is a wake-up call. The Lord's saying, look, step back out again. Step back out again. Because you know the story of Mary and Martha, where Martha's busy getting ready for everything, and Mary's sitting at Jesus' feet, and Martha's tweaked at Mary because Martha's busy serving, 
And Mary's just sitting at Jesus' feet receiving. You know, and, and Jesus tells Martha, I'm not going to take Mary away from that precious time. But it doesn't mean that Mary was never going to serve. It was just at that moment she was doing the right thing by sitting at his feet. So there is that balance of being both Martha and Mary. I think that's the sweet spot. If you're all service and no resting and sitting, you're going to burn out. If you're all resting and sitting and you're not serving, you're going to get spiritually flabby. It's a good picture. It's true. Because so much of what God wants to do in our lives is worked out through self-sacrificial service. That's where we put legs on the truth of the gospel. See, when we're alone with Jesus, there's no need to forgive because Jesus is perfect. But then when you venture out into that wild and crazy world of people, then you have all sorts of things you need to forgive. Because people don't say thank you, and they take advantage, and all these things go on. But that's where the rubber meets the road. And so I really believe that we need to be equal parts Mary and Martha. We need to sit alone with the Lord and receive from him and and be prepared so that we can go on out and roll up our sleeves. And then we roll up our sleeves and we get our hands dirty in people and life and the real deal. And then we say, okay, Lord, I'm going to come back and I get built up again. And then I go back out again. It's kind of like what we do every day. It's like you go out and you work and then you just take a break and you eat. Then you go back into it, you work, and then you take a break and eat three times a day. Some of us, six times a day. Because you take snacks. It's like you get into it, and then you pull yourself out for a little bit, and you, and you get recovered, and you get back in there again. And we need both parts of it. Because it's interesting that God has, I just imagine what it was like in the tabernacle for those seven days before all this began. Could you imagine Aaron and his boys? I wonder what's going to happen. Man, how's this going to go? Are the people really going to respect our ministry? I mean, what if I do it wrong? It's all these rules. Do we even understand what we're supposed to do? You know, can you imagine all those conversations? But it's that time of waiting that God was preparing them, consecrating them, setting them apart. And then God calls them and says, okay, let's go. It's time to get this ball rolling. And so it's interesting. Moses calls Aaron and his sons and the elders of Israel. So Moses, again, as that leader, comes and calls these guys out. And he says, listen, verse 2, take for yourself a young bull as a sin offering and a ram as a burnt offering without blemish and offer them before the Lord. Now check that out. They've been sitting for seven days waiting, being set apart. And the first thing Moses says to Aaron is, you need a bull for a sin offering. You need a burnt offering. Why? Because them sitting around, they're still sinful. That's an important lesson. Before they, like they've been waiting. They've all this blood dripped on them. All these things have gone on. And they've been waiting for seven days. But Moses like, man, you need a sin offering still. Because the heart of humanity is rebellious against God. And if you're in here today and you love the Lord and you're born again, you're like, yeah, I, I put my faith in. You're still a wretched rebel. Our hearts are prone to rebellion. No matter how well you got the gospel dialed in, how much you understand it, you're still like, yeah, man, you just give me a moment. And it's like, boom, I'm off the rails. And we're all wired that way. And praise God that God is long-suffering in his love. That God just doesn't write us off. Because we're write-offable. We are. Because we're, we're prone to rebellion. We're prone to, even though we know what to do, we still go the other way. 
And even you could be sitting at the feet of God for seven days straight and you've still got all these aberrant thoughts, dreams, ideas, visions. It's like your brain runs. I mean, just imagine if we put everyone's thoughts up there, a picture of you and all the thoughts you had today. That would stink, wouldn't it? That would not make church very fun at all. Because like, it's like your picture would go up and you're like, and all these crazy things that you've thought today would pop up and you'd be like, crawling under the pew, but then the next person would get up there. And it's like, and we all fail at that test. Because some of the things that we spend time pondering, thinking about, fantasizing about, it's all, it's just all messed up. So right as they're done with this period of consecration, this period of hiddenness, quietness, first thing, Moses is like, Aaron, you need a sin offering and a burnt offering because you've built up some sin since then. And brothers and sisters, that's why I'm here to tell you, keep short accounts with God and with other people. You don't want it to build up because it builds up too fast. It's like be quick to confess to the Lord, to ask for forgiveness from people. Most interpersonal issues are not huge. There are a lot of little things that have been built up that become huge things. Those of you who are married, you know what this is like because you sweep enough stuff under the rug and what happens? You start tripping over the rug. And it's like someone just left the door open and someone's flying off the handle. It's like you just left the door. I just left the door open. But it's not about that. It's about that and like 15 other things that happened. So God's design is that we keep short accounts with him. We confess him and say, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for those aberrant thoughts. I'm sorry for my rebellion. I'm sorry for the little lies, these, all these things. And with people, you say, look, I'm sorry because I realize that God's working on me. I'm not perfected. So it's interesting that right away, sin offering for you guys, right away. And again, the priests have their offerings for them before they're allowed to offer offerings for the people. Why? Because in order to be somebody involved in helping other people be cleansed, we have to first be cleansed. And that is why God calls the people of God priests. That's why we're priests. Because if you're here today and you put your faith and trust in Jesus, God's cleansed you. And God is cleansing you. It's already and not yet. It's happened and it's happening, right? And because we've been cleansed, now we can be useful to God as people who are cleansed and are being cleansed to help other people understand the gospel, understand God's grace, and have the exact same experience that we're having as well. Now look at verse three. It says, and to the children of Israel, you shall speak saying, take a kid of the goats as a sin offering, and a calf and a lamb, both of the first year, without blemish, as a burnt offering. Also a bull and a ram, as peace offerings, to sacrifice before the Lord, and a grain offering mixed with oil, for today the Lord will appear to you. Now notice, now it's Aaron's turn. Aaron hasn't had a whole lot to do except be instructed by Moses. But Moses says, look, I want you to do an offering for yourself, And now I want you to go to talk to the children of Israel. So Moses is now inviting, by God's design, Aaron to have a ministry of his own. Not just as Moses' sidekick. Now Aaron's time is to tell the children of Israel, listen, it's time for you to bring all the offerings. I notice you get the sin offering, the burnt offering, the peace offering, the grain offering. All these offerings are here. Why? Why all these offerings? Because for today, the Lord will appear to you. This is all about God's 
tangible, visible presence in the midst of his people. And that's God's goal. God's goal is that the people of God would be the tangible, visible presence of God in the world. That's what God wants. God forgives us so that we might be the temple of the Holy Spirit, an opportunity for the world to see who he is in the lives of people who are broken and fallen. God's design is to reveal himself. And I really pray for us as not only crossroads, but as the greater body of Christ, that we take up that mantle and say, God, I want our lives to be a living example to the world of what the presence of God looks like in the midst of broken people. We should have an expectant faith. Every time we gather together, because we're two or three are gathered together, he's in our midst now. There's a lot more than two or three in this place right now. So that means when we gather together in his name, he is present within us. And we should have an expectancy as we worship, an expectancy as we gather, and not only here in the sanctuary, but when we gather two by two, three by three, six by six, eight by eight together, we should expect God to be there because he is. And we should have that expectant faith because God wants to reveal himself to us and in us and through us to the world. Now in verse five, look at what happens. So they brought what Moses commanded before the tabernacle of meeting, verse five. And all the congregation drew near and stood before the Lord. Then Moses said, this is the thing which the Lord commanded you to do, and the glory of the Lord will appear to you. And Moses said to Aaron, go to the altar, offer your sin offering and your burn offering, and make atonement for yourself. And for the people, offer the offering of the people, and make atonement for them as the Lord commanded them. Now this is a congregational happening. The people have all gathered together now. And now it's all beginning. Aaron is reminded that he needs to offer the sacrifice for himself and for the people. Now notice again in verse 6, and the glory of the Lord will appear to you. That's powerful. See, because when the Lord appears, his glory appears. Because God is infinitely glorious. Like, we should be glory junkies. You never thought about that, did you, before? We, we should be junkies for God's glory. We should say, God, I want to see your glory. Like Moses prayed in the end of the book of Exodus. Lord, show me your glory. That word glory, it literally means the heaviness of God. Like that God is, he's heavy when he shows up. Jesus is Before any commercial airline flight, the flight attendant always reminds you that you have to put on your own air mask before you help others. Today, Pastor Daniel shared that the Old Testament priests had to atone for their sins before they could offer sacrifices on behalf of anyone else. In the same way, present-day believers have to first be right with God so that they can be a tangible presence in the world for Him. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel here. I just want to say thank you for tuning in. I'm so stoked you're a listener of Jesus is Real Radio and I know Jesus has amazing plans for you. I'd love to hear the story of how God's working in your life. Give us a call here at Jesus is Real Radio at 360-256-4655 or email me at real 
at danielfusco.com. Thanks for joining us today for Jesus is Real Radio. Hey, I wanted to remind you that each day on Facebook, Pastor Daniel shares a simple two-minute message. In this message, Pastor Daniel draws out an important biblical truth that really helps set your day on the right path. So be sure to follow Pastor Daniel Fusco on Facebook and share these two-minute messages with your friends and family. Place a marker in your Bibles and join us next time as Pastor Daniel examines the glory of God. You'll learn that His glory is revealed whenever He appears and you should expectantly watch for it. Pastor Daniel will remind you that God intended for you to live your life in community with other believers. As you walk through life with others, you'll be spurred on to grow and change in ways you couldn't have if you'd been on your own. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, we invite you to join us again for the next edition of Jesus is Real Radio.